You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Psalm chapter number 63. How many help me preach a little bit this morning? I just want to come to you as pastor and just share an encouraging word, amen, by the word of the Lord. Psalm 63. And if we begin, there's a subscript here titling before first verse. And it says, a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. And then David writes, O God, Thou art my God. Early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsteth for Thee. My flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. Remember, he's in the wilderness. To see Thy power and Thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips when I remember thee upon my bed and meditate upon thee in the night watches because thou hast been my help. Everybody say help. Help. Therefore, in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. Anybody feel the shadow, the covering of the Lord in your life today? (laughs) We don't rejoice from a place of isolation or abandonment, but a place of covering, of protection. And so he says, here it is, he said, My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth, and they shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. I want to preach to you, if I can, this morning on this thought. Intentional priority. Intentional priority. Let us pray. God, I thank you for this moment and opportunity that we have. We take this day to dedicate it to you and to dedicate it to your word. And I ask that your word would be planted in our hearts and in our mind, in our life. Today, I feel that you want to speak specifically some things into our hearts and to give us instruction and encouragement and direction. I pray right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this morning as you're seated in the name of the Lord. We want to continue And uh, Brother Tim gave me this request here. We're praying for Taylor. Been praying for Taylor. And uh, Denver, this is your nephew. And uh, still want to continue praying. And this is a four-month-old. And, of course, he has cancer. And uh, they've only given him a month to live. And so let's remember, continue to remember Taylor in our prayers there. And uphold that family. Amen. Intentional priority. Intentional priority. I want to talk to you, if I can, on this thought and on this subject. In some ways, this is a very, very practical concept and a practical thought, but it is wholly and completely 
spiritual. We cannot separate the two. If you want to grow spiritually in your life in Christ, if you want to know the Lord, there are some practical applications that must take place in your life. And I'll reference that. We spent a series earlier on at the beginning in this spring, uh, earlier in the year, the spring, and the series was titled Five Things for Spiritual Growth or for Spiritual Maturity. And we went over five very basic fundamental things that most all of us are familiar with, but activating those things, the practical activation and institution of those things in our life bring about great spiritual growth and spiritual impact in our heart. We love, we love the church service. Anybody here enjoy last week? We had a wonderful week at CTK. If you weren't here, you missed it. We were blessed first weekend, first Saturday, and our prayer. We had brother and sister Brent and Datha Brosen, pastors in Joliet, and came down, ministered to us. And then Sunday night, wow, what just a prophetic speaking of the Word of God that spoke so many things clearly in the Spirit. Amen. Just the preaching of the Word. God was doing some great things in the altars and throughout the service, and we thank the Lord for that. That was wonderful. Now, I love those moments. I love those moments when God comes down and you know that He has spoken. There is a supernatural connection where God speaks into your life. Many times we respond to those moments through our emotions. We're emotional creatures. God created us as such. And so we love the spiritual high places, and we love those spiritual things that take place in our life. But to leverage the work of the spiritual in your life, there are some practical things that needs to be instituted. And you cannot separate those from that practicality. Now, God can smite you on the road to Damascus as he did Paul. A light shined out of heaven. He fell off of the beast and he was blinded. And in that moment, the word of the Lord spoke to him. But that happened one time. God can appear to you in a burning bush and that draws you aside to get your attention. Sometimes God will do the supernatural to get your attention. I'm not talking about that because God can, has the authority to, to intersect uh, uh, in our life and disrupt our life to appear to us. But what I am talking about is the sustaining work of the Spirit of God in your life. Not just a one-time thing. Not, not just that it can be, well, in 1985 this happened to me or the Lord spoke to me. No, if God spoke to you back then, that's good. But what about 95 and 2005 and 2018? What, what about last week and last month? And, and what about today? And, and then what about tomorrow and next week? So there's got to be some practical that leverages the spiritual in our life. And here we find it. And, and what a setting. David is in the wilderness of Judah. This is not the place that you want to be. This is not what you signed up for. This is not what he signed up for, but nonetheless, here he is in a wilderness. Perhaps today you could also identify in some form or fashion saying that 
I am in a wilderness. That you're walking through something that was never your intention, never your desire, but life has brought you in this path to a place that is not a place of comfort, not a place that you want, and you're in the wilderness. Let, let's look at what David says from this point in context. He begins, O oh God, thou art my God. Now, I have to preach the whole chapter, but I could preach just on that today, all day today. He starts out by declaring who he is. Oh, God. He's not just another person. He's not, this is not just another idea. This is not just another philosophy. This is not just another way of thinking. This is not just another book on the shelf. Hear me, somebody. He is God. He is supreme. He is ultimate. And my circumstance does not negate the fact of the reality of who he is. Come on, somebody needs to get that right there. It doesn't matter your sick, your debt, your depression. It does not matter your situation. That does not change who he is. It does not matter whether the clouds cover you. There is a God that shines bright beyond every storm. He is God. So we declare, oh God. Now this is where the practical begins. We haven't even gotten into the chapter. And, and the practical's already there. The practical is this. It's not based upon your emotion. It's not based upon your feeling. It's not based upon your circumstance. He's just getting up every morning saying, oh God. Sometimes that's what we do. We wake up in the morning, oh God. That's a different, oh God. <laughs> this was a, Oh, God. No, I, I, I know what I see. I know what I don't like. But this is a, oh, God, you're still God. You're still Lord. You're still on the throne. You're still the creator. You're still the great I am. You still have no beginning and no ending. You are above all. Hallelujah. You are transcendent. You are absolute. There is none beside you. There is none like you. Oh, God. Then he takes it a step further. And this is where, this is where, this passage is where there is value. Let's say value. In, and this is very practical. There's value in this Bible version we're reading from today called the King James Version. Now, a lot of people today, language changes. And, and, and language evolves over time. There are words today that are in the dictionary, official words, that my grandparents Never knew. My grandfather, uh, 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 let's see, uh, yeah, but was it Saturday or Friday? Would have been my grandfather's birthday and my grandparents' anniversary on the same day, August the 10th. And he was born in 1909. My grandfather passed away uh, when I was 19 years old. And so uh, I didn't have him super long in my life, but he was born in 1909. He saw a lot. But there are words that have entered into the realm of the English language that he never knew. Grandpa never knew what iPhone meant. He never knew what social media was. So languages evolve over time. And over time, people use words differently and they lose their meaning. And so we're reading here a language that was, was last 
last edited from the King James Version in the 1800s, but originally penned around 1611. And so there are things that we don't use anymore, like thee and thou. We don't use those in our everyday language, you know. Um, uh, we could use them. It is still a part of the English language. It's still very much, and some people say, well, you know, we can't read the KJV because we can't understand it, but then we still got kids in high school learning Shakespeare, and if they can learn Shakespeare, then... But here's where there's value in the King James Version. The Old English made a distinction when they were making a statement. And, and so if you were talking to somebody else, you could, they would say, thee or thou, or they would say, ye or you. We don't, we don't talk like that anymore. Now, we use you for everything. But in, 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 in its originality, you was a plural that we would throw out there. So, so just like today, in fact, the language has evolved so much. I was in Pennsylvania a couple weeks ago and preaching a camp meeting there, and, and, and they say, use guys. Use guys. Anybody ever heard that? Use guys. It's plural, guys. Both, it's like a double plural. Use guys means, if you go down a little bit south, it means y'all. Or if you go, if you go somewhere else, it's you-ins. I mean, I mean that, that's, this is like entered into the language. But you collectively or ye was plural in its original intent. So whenever you read in somebody in, in, in the old King James Version, whenever you read and you read you or ye, it was never a specific thing, but it was generalized. So like if we were saying when you go to the store, you're going to have to pay a cashier. That's general. It's not just a specific, but it's anybody. It's plural or ye and it would say that so when he says ye shall receive the gift of the holy ghost he was not identifying just one individual he was not just highlighting the men he was not he was it was a plurality we don't use this anymore but then when you say thee or you say thou it had specific it had no room for anybody else. It was one individual entity, one person. And so here is what David is declaring. Oh, God, thou art my God. You are not a God in my life. You are the God in my life. You are not just another God. You are the God. Oh, thou art my God. I think it'd be all right if we incorporated, maybe not the language, but that concept back into our heart. When I come into the house of God and I begin to sing praises, those praises are not arbitrarily directed to some unidentified entity that's up there in a transcendent space that I do not know. No, that unknowable, unseeable God made himself known. He identified himself. And David said, I may be in the wilderness, but thou art my God. There's a whole lot of practicability right there, right there. Put that in your life. Thou art my God. Thou art my God in my life. There is no other. You are my God. You alone are my God. See, idolatry was never allowed, never permitted. It was never, it was never even possible. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He's not an option to be selected. He is the, the focus of everything in your life. And then he goes on 
And here he says, knowing that, he says, early will I seek thee. Early will I seek thee. That word that's translated there, early will I seek. It's one word that's translated there, and it literally means the dawning. You, you could almost say, I, I'm dawning to seek thee. And, and, and it's, it's talking about, yeah, yeah, it references, it references the dawn of day. It references the, the, before the sunrise, before the day starts, at, at the preparation of that, the very first thing that I am going to do. It's not just, it's not just conclusive. Now, now I've heard people say, you know, you, you can only pray, or not only, but, but you have to pray in the morning at dawn every day. That's the most powerful I've heard people teach that, that you connect with God greater at that time. But the problem is that when it's dawn here, it's not dawn everywhere else in the world. And God is above time and he's above space. But the principle that needs to be extracted from this is that it's not about a specific time of the day that you get up and all of a sudden there's some kind of mystic energy that's greater at that time of the day that's going to allow you to speak to God because you can speak to God at any time, any place, any moment, anywhere, and God can speak to you. It does not matter. But what David is saying is that it is going to be the intention that you are my first priority, that you're the priority of every day that I live. That before anything else is processed in my mind or in my life, you are the focus. You are the matter. You are the subject of my life. Here it is, God. I am putting you first in my life. Now, here is where the practical leverages the spiritual. I want the spiritual blessings of the Lord in my life. I want those moments of connection in the Spirit. But more than that, I want the fruit of the Spirit in my life. The love, the joy, the peace. I want all of those things. I want, who doesn't want joy that's unspeakable and full of glory? I mean, who doesn't, who doesn't want peace that passes all understanding? I want that. You can have that. But in order to leverage that, there's got to be some practical institutions in your life. And this is where David was saying it's an intentional priority that God, you will be first in my life. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. There's that word again. Thee, it's always thee, it's always thou. He's always the object. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land. What to see thy power, to see thy glory. Why? He goes to verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. This is the best way to live. This is the best way. It's the only option. It's better than life. What a statement. What a statement. Here's what we see. God is not an afterthought. God is not an addendum to my life. His providence, His instruction, His direction is the priority of His people. This is not just an option. Maybe, maybe, maybe we have it backwards sometimes. Just maybe 
we're going through life. Has anybody else done this? Now, I'm telling on myself, but has anybody else done this? You're going through the day, and man, you're just like, what, what is going on today? What is going on today? And then you realize, well, you know what? I, I got up late. I hit the alarm too much. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. And, and you say, okay, here it is. It's, it's, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and you just got to stop and take a moment and pray. Am I the only one that does that? Come on, am I? No. Y'all, maybe y'all are good. Y'all get up and pray every morning, never miss. But sometimes life just happens. And you realize, wow, I missed that. Can I tell you, we, we can't go through life consistently like that. We can't go through life and then wake up on Sunday. Oh, 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 you know, oh, man, we missed church again. I forgot about it. No, God's got to be an intention of your life. You don't go, go, go a few months. Oh, man, I forgot to pray again. I forgot. No, you are intentional about prioritizing God in your life. And can I tell you the blessings and the testimonies that we hear and we share and we see across the fellowship and across the room and across the church. Thank God His grace and His mercy comes to us sometimes undeserved, unmerited. But a lot of it, if you look, it's because people have leveraged the intentional priority of the ways of God in their life. God is not the afterthought. He is the forethought. He's the priority. He's not an addendum. He's the focus. Hallelujah. We sang the song this morning. We sang the song this morning. In fact, many of the songs this morning goes right into here. Set a fire down in my soul. What was that? No place I'd rather be. I was thinking Jesus is the center of it all. We didn't sing that one. Maybe we should sing that one. Jesus at the center of it all. Why do we sing that? Because he's got to be the center. Amen? You know, the, the, the God is my co-pilot bumper sticker. You've heard that. God should not be your co-pilot. He should be the only pilot. Because we're, we're like, too often, we're like the driver's ed instructor. Have you seen that? You know, they, they got the driver's ed cars. Those cars are special because they have a second set of brakes. They have one steering wheel. They have one gas pedal usually, but they have two brakes. And we do that too often. We're putting the brake on things. God, well, I'm not sure you want to go over there. I'm not sure you want to. And we're putting the brakes on. Like, can I tell you, no, we've got to let the Lord be everything in our life. He's not just another addendum to our life. He is our life. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, now we're being practical this morning. We're being practical this morning. But David says, I will be intentional about this. And he's not saying this while everything's going good. He's saying this in the wilderness. Hear me. You may find yourself in a wilderness and you're thinking, what in the world is going on? Now is not the time to put cruise control on and just slide through and wait till you get out of the wilderness before you engage. No, now is the time in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the wilderness to say, God, I am going to be intentional about the priority in my life. I'm going to put you first. Say, where do you start? How do I do this? I'm going to say, just start. Start with every day. Get your smartphones. We got all of these devices telling us what to do dictating our life, 
things that are happening and all of this stuff. You know what? Use that to your advantage. You program the, the, the phones and the devices, the computer, they only do ultimately what we tell them to do. They do nothing unless it's fed into them. So you take control, intentional, and you program it in. Every morning I'm getting up. I'm starting with the Word of God. I'm starting with prayer. If you got to put reminders 15 times on your phone a day to pray, you put that on your phone every day and you start being practical about it. And I tell you, you stand back and watch and see what God will do in your life. And the blessings of the Lord begin to work inside of your life and inside of your heart. Do things, do things. This is what David said. I'm going to be intentional about it. Why? There is no greater blessing than living in the ways of God. This is what he said. Look at verse 3. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. Now that is a statement of statements. There's not a lot of things that are so great that we would say, hey, I'd take this and I'd give my life for this. But David says thy loving kindness is better than life. It's greater. You know what? If it costs me my life, your loving kindness is better. If it costs me my life, now I know the soul's going to live on, but your loving kindness is great because your loving kindness endures beyond my life, beyond the wilderness, beyond the momentary pleasures of our life. Can I tell you, we are a pleasure-seeking culture and generation. Hear me today. We are a pleasure-seeking people, myself included. I've been raised in a culture, in a climate that dictates everything to pleasure. How does it taste? How does it feel? How is it? I'm going to tell you, David said, I found something that transcends the momentary pleasures of this life. It's better than life. The ways of God, hallelujah, they are greater. And can I tell you, oh, oh, by the way, the benefits of the ways of God is that you will have pleasures on this life. That you will have joy in this life. That you will have peace in this life. His way. He goes on. He said, he's my help. His way is a way of help for the weak, for the poor, for the lowly, for the broken, for the bruised, for the wounded, for the dying. Amen. For the tormented. His way is a way out. His way is a way above. That's why David says, I'm going to prioritize this in the wilderness. His way is a way of love. It's a way of compassion. It's a way of mercy. It's a way of grace. You don't see this always in the world. Amen. Here it is. It's a way of redemption. My God is a God that can take a man laying there, wasting out the rest of his life in his attempt to take it, and God can say no, hallelujah, and redeem him and pull him back. That's the God that I serve. That's the God that I serve. There's a pastor in southern Indiana, and his name is Aaron Strunk. Aaron, we, my wife and I met him when we were evangelizing. And Aaron came to uh, Bible college. He, w- he was about my age. And so he was coming. He was an older student. Uh, but he came to Bible college while we were working there at the college in Indianapolis. And Aaron came. And if you hear his testimony, I, I have many times gone back and said, you know, how are things going? He now pastors. In fact, last year when we were at the uh, pastor's day and uh, to see Sister Kristen, we, uh, I saw him, and I, we reconnected with him and his wife. Hadn't seen him for a couple of years, 
But Aaron's testimony is basically this. His, he, he came, backslid, his wife came to church, gave her life to God, living for God. Aaron was strung out on drugs. It's an incredible story. It's unbelievable. Twice Aaron tried to take his life. Twice he tried to take his life. The, the one time came, she came down, it was a Sunday night service experience. She came to the altar and she said, God, I can't handle this. I'm going to give this to you. You've got to do something, whatever it is, you've got to do it. And so she came down. She said, I felt the Holy Ghost hit me so strong. The Spirit of the Lord was upon her. And she said, I had peace. She said, it didn't make sense. I had peace. She went home. She had so much peace. She told her, I'm going in. I'm going to sleep. She said, she went down. She laid to sleep. She said, I never slept so good in all of my life. What she did not know was in the middle of the night, her husband went out and, and, and grabbed a rope, went to his and, and uh, hung himself that night. She heard him coughing. She thought he was in there doing his drugs again. This is how low it had steeped. I'm going to tell you, sin will destroy you. Sin is a destroyer. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. But he's out there. She had peace. God gave her peace. She had leveraged the spiritual, amen, by the practical. She wakes up in the middle of the night, felt like something wasn't right. She walks in there, and there he is. Calls paramedics, come in, and uh, uh, by some miracle, God revived him, and he survived that ordeal. Long story short, he comes to church, comes, gets the Holy Ghost, not long, goes right back to the same drugs. He's messed up again. He's, he's given his life back to sin. He feels like a failure. And that's the lies that David talks about at the end. That's the lies that goes against the ways of God. He feels like such a failure. He says, I'm going to take my life again. This time, he says, I'm going to wait until my wife's not home. She's at work so that nobody can save me, that nobody can stop me. Hallelujah. But God is a redeemer. He goes, he said, he told me that. He said, I took the same rope, went to the same fan with the same chair, tied the same knot. He said, I'm not a fool. I know how to tie a knot. And he said, I don't know. He said, the only way I can explain it was it was supernatural. He said, when I kicked that chair out, he said, that knot came undone and I fell on the floor. He said, there I'm laying on the floor so bad. He said, I can't even take my own life. And he said, would you know at that very time, his pastor, James Barker, happened to be driving by, felt to go pray for him, stopped, and he just fell on the floor laying there. And all of a sudden there a knock on the door and his pastor said hey I came to tell you that God loves you even though you're messed up now he is a Pentecostal pastor seeing great revival why because God's ways are a ways of redemption his ways are better than life his loving kindness is better than life oh hallelujah 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 his ways a way of faith. His ways a way of hope. His ways a way of goodness. His ways a way of righteousness. And even holiness. God takes the unrighteous and he cleanses them and he sets them up. This is the blessing. Can I tell you the way of God? His ways. Here's what he says. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. His ways. Living for God does not just have a blessing attached to it. It is the blessing. Let me clarify that. God's ways are not just a blessing. It is the blessing. You live for God and you watch how blessed it is. By the way, by the way, does anybody re enjoy? And I, I got to hasten. What time is it here? I don't want to. Praise God. 
Does anybody enjoy the pastor recommendations? Does anybody even pay attention to the pastor recommendations in the bulletin? I put, put them in there every once in a while. I'm going to start recommending also some audible things like podcasts and other things that you can come across. And I put those in there intentionally. Those are not by happenstance. I'm not are just arbitrary, but I share a lot of books. Most of the time, it's books in the bulletin that I'll share. But then also, there's some other things. Sometimes I, I share it on, on social media, Twitter, and whatever. Um, but this week, I listened to a podcast. Brother Duff, we were talking about it yesterday, and I made my wife listen to it on the way home, and uh, we were talking about it. It's just incredible. There's a podcast I'd highly recommend, and uh, Jordan P. Anderson, he wrote The 12 Rules for Life or something, bestseller. It came out earlier this year or late last year, and uh, he does a podcast. If you catch number 47, somebody recommended it to me. Number 47, there's a doctor. I think his, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, but the doctor, he wrote the book that was just released in March called the boy crisis. And he, uh, uh, it's podcast number 47 of Jordan P. Anderson's. And I would highly recommend that you listen to it. It's about an hour and a half. But here's the, here's the interesting thing. Here's, here's men that are uh, uh, scientists, uh, um, um, psychologists studying social uh, dynamics and all those things and demographics. And, and an hour and a half, they are constantly... They don't, they, I don't even know if they believe in the Bible. I, I, I doubt they even believe in Bible. I doubt they even believe in God. But they are constantly giving statistics and making statements of deductions from their research that are reinforcing the biblical way of living. Constantly. 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 Talking about the science of it all. And, there, and I, love it. I, love, I love science. I love reading all this stuff because if you pay attention... If you really listen to what's going on, not the agenda stuff or whatever, but the real stuff always reinforces the Word of God, always proves the Word of God. And he was talking about his books, The Boy Crisis. He's, uh, he was talking about the impacts of, of, uh, uh, of young kids, young boys, young girls, and, and families and homes, and, and the importance of the, the family, he, 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 the priority of the family, the importance of a family, a nuclear family. That's the word they use, nuclear family. Now, all the stuff they're talking about is probably not politically correct, but here's these scientists, and here was the statement that he made. He said, if you are raising your children, you need to make sure that your children have time with mother and father. And here is what he said. Make sure, he said, put your children, he actually said this, put your children in a faith-based program, even if you do not believe in God. Why? Because the science, he says, they cannot help but be around good role models. And when the children are around good role models, it affects the biological makeup. You can listen to it yourself. It affects the biological makeup of the child, of the individual. He goes through life expectancies and lifespan. You can lengthen your child. Your children's life can be extended by over 20% just by being around the right positive role models. And here is what the secular humanistic scientists are saying. Even if you don't believe in God, get your children around people that are living like the Word of God. Well, I've come to tell you, living for God is not just a blessing. It is the blessing. Every good and perfect gift.
cometh down from the Father above, within whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Can I tell you, your loving kindness is better than life. You want a blessing in your home? Live for God. You want a blessing in your marriage? Live for God. You want a blessing in your career? Live for God. Stop pointing fingers. Stop casting stones. David could have cast stones and pointed fingers all day long. He had been betrayed. He had been used. He had been chased after by people that were so-called religious. David had every excuse to be mad, to be hateful, to be hurt, to be bitter. But David said, no, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. And he leveraged the practical, amen, so that the spiritual worked in his life. My soul shall fall after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. There it is. The Spirit of God's upholding you. Some of us are here. We're sitting here. We're not sitting here today because we're blessed with finances. We're not sitting here today because we're intellectuals or we have. No, my goodness. We're here today because the Lord's hand sustained us and brought us through. I, I, I think of, Sister Ohm says, so good to see you today. And, 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 and glad you're doing better. But I think, and I, and I pick on you today because y'all are the ones that have, as, as married folks, have put up with the other one the most. 65 years of marriage. Wow. And, and, and we have others that are, that are approaching that too, 50 years of marriage and other things like that. Man, you, you've endured There is some endurance there in that. But but you put God first. God's been the center of that life. You you want blessings in your marriage? Leverage the practical in there and watch and see what God can do. That that doesn't mean... Now, there's people in here who did not achieve that, who who had that robbed from them, who had that taken from them. But does that mean that you throw away the ways of God because it didn't... No, 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 no. You go back. You recognize for what it was. Sin enters in. Sin comes in. It distorts a man, a woman. It it distorts God's intentions. But we go back and we say, I'm going to leverage the Word of God and I'm going to what? God's a redeemer. God is a restorer. God is a deliverer. God is a forgiver. God is a healer. And God can take old things and pass them away. And he can make all things new again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And, and, and we don't look at somebody who's lived for God and, 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 and hadn't been married that long and say, oh, man, I can never achieve. I can never achieve. No, that, it's because of that. It's because of that that we can say, hey, if they made it, I can make it too. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged. It's not rocket scientists. You say, well, man, you know, if I could, you know, if I could just be like, we make excuses, God, if I could just, you know, if I was like pastor, if I was like so-and-so, or if I could do this, or if we had that, or no, it's just taking the word of God and leveraging the word of God inside of your life. It's the testimony of the man I shared with you, Casey, the, the things of the world is going to take, take away. But the ways of God is going to lead back to life. Verse 9, and I close with this. As they come to the music, I close. Verse 9, he says, But those that seek my soul to destroy it shall go down to the lower parts of the earth. What's he saying here? Here's what he's saying. Those that are seeking my destruction will first meet their own destruction. Why? Because they're not living the ways of God. 
So those that are seeking after my destruction, can I tell you, don't, don't be concerned. Don't be concerned when the world attacks the church. Hollywood very rarely, if ever, ever presents Christianity in a positive light. It's always negative. It's always the abuses because there's been a lot. And there's a lot of things that have passed for true Christianity that sadly hasn't, hasn't happened. Always tearing it down. They're not going to support Christianity. But don't worry. The true church, the real church, it's going to survive. It's going to live. And here's what David said. Here's what David said. Those that seek my destruction will find destruction first. Because I have a God that I have leveraged in my life. That's my help. And he said, it's from the shadow of his wing that I praise him. And we come into the house of the Lord and we're magnifying and praising God. Doesn't mean we've got everything figured out. No, <laughs> we're rejoicing. You know why we're rejoicing? Because we know he's covering us. Like, ha ha. You know, when dad's there, man, you, you could be, you're, you're all, ah, you talk tough when dad's there. But dad ain't there. And you try to talk tough, all of a sudden you realize you're on your own. But he's covering me. So, so we can even look to death and say, where's thy sting? We can look to the enemy and say, you have no hold on me. You have no hold on me. But you take the covering of God away. No, there's... And that's what David said. He said, those that are seeking my destruction, they will meet destruction first. Why? Because they don't have the help that I have. They don't have the resource that I have. They could have the resource that I have. But they don't have the protection I have. And so I'm walking in the way they aren't. I have a protector and a defender. They don't. So don't worry when people, things, life attack you, attack your home, attack your marriage, attack your family. You just go back to the Word of God, and I'm, I'm going to leverage the practical in my life. Oh, God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. You're not going to be an afterthought. You're not going to be an addendum. You're going to be the focus. You're going to be the first starting point of my life. I'm helping somebody today. And then he closes out and says this. The very last phrase of the chapter is, But the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. I'm going to tell you, there is ten lies for every truth in the Word of God. There are things, there are people, there are processes, there's a way of thinking in the world that will lie. The enemy, when we first see the enemy come to Adam and Eve, what does he do? He comes in the form of a lie. The lie. You don't have to do that. You don't have to pray. You don't have to live for God. That, that's going to that's gonna take away this. This is the better way. Don't trust God's word. Don't. Those are lies that come up against you. The lies go deeper. Too. You can never be that. You can never have this. You can never have deliverance. You can never have hope. Those are lies. Those are lies. You can never have love. You can never fall back to that. You can never, even as I'm speaking today and sharing some of the testimonies, the enemy has lied to some of you and things that says, well, that, that could never happen to me. I'm here to tell you that's, that's not truth. And what David closes the chapter out in the middle of the wilderness, David was dealing with a lot of life. He was dealing with a lot of non-truths. And what David was saying was someday all the non-truths will be stopped. And all that's going to stand is truth. 
in my life. I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm going to be thankful. I'm, I'm not looking to end this life. I'm not looking to, to shorten it. God is God. It's in His timing. But when it's over and we stand before the Lord and He says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Every lie, There will be no lie that will make it past the pearly gates. <laughs> there will be no lie that's going to hold us back. When we get there, it's done. It's forever settled. We are a child of God. We are redeemed of the Lord. We are healed. We have no more pain. We have no more sorrow at that point. So how do I leverage, leverage the practicality of God? Here, here's how you do it. Here's what intentional living looks like. Number one, it, it starts with baptism. It starts with that commitment. It starts with that fundamental repentance giving your life to God, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If you don't understand baptism, I'd love to give you a Bible study. I'd love to share that with you. But baptism, making that determination, giving yourself to God, letting God cleanse you, change you. It goes on beyond that. Receiving the promise of the Spirit of the Lord inside of your life. Receiving the empowering of the Spirit of God. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, not my flesh, but Christ liveth in me. How? How? By His Spirit, by the promise of the Father, by the Spirit of the Lord living inside of me. That's what's alive in me now. And that living enables me. It produces the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the goodness, the meekness, the temperance, the faith. All of those things. It produces in me what I in my own situation and circumstance could never produce. It enables me to holy living. It enables me to pure hands. It enables me to a clean heart. It enables me to a clean mind. I can't do that on my own, but through the power of the Spirit of the Lord, I can be holy as He is holy. Not because I'm good, but I can take on His righteousness. You know how wonderful it is to lay your head on the pillow and not go to bed in guilt, not go to bed in fear and condemnation, but God lifts those burdens and He releases that from your life. Thy loving kindness is better than life. And then you leverage. If you missed the series, it's on our podcast. You can connect via our website. You can find it on all your smart devices through different ways. Five things for spiritual growth. Prayer, the word, giving, worship serving the kingdom of God. Those are things that you have to be intentional about. You don't just wake up and automatically do it. You have to say, I'm going to do this. You don't just give arbitrarily as an afterthought. No, you make God the priority of your finances. You make God the priority of your week. That's why we are gathered here today on the first day of this week because we are saying, God, we understand that if we give you one day a week and work six, the blessing, the promise says that we will have as much and more as if we worked seven without fail, without stop. God, if I tied the first tenth and live off the ninety, you said your blessing says that I will have enough and more as if I was hoarding it all and living off a hundred. That's a blessing of the word of God. And when you leverage the practical in your life, you release the spiritual and the miraculous for God to work inside of your soul. And so, God, I want you in my life, but I've got to be intentional. Stand together with me this morning. Intentional priority. How do I get there? How do I get there? How do I, how do I get to that spiritual walk with God? How do I get to that place where I'm beyond the addictions and I'm beyond 
the testimonies. Well, you always or, or beyond the trials. You, you always have trials. You always have temptation. But you can leverage the practical to give you a place of victory. Total victory. Total victory. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord, in Jesus' name. I thank you for the gift.